I wish I knew how to be a better self-advocate and I wish I knew how to tell my employer what I needed, when I needed it and why I needed it. Because in the workplace, nobody's really going to know what you need unless you say it. Hello, everyone, and welcome. I'm Gilda Evans, bringing you the Autism Resource Podcast. This podcast and the ARP website are your one-stop knowledge and resource base for autism and much more. I'm very pleased to have Ben Van Hook return as my guest today. Ben is an expert on the autistic student experience. He has spoken at Stanford University and has been featured in the media from PBS programs to features in the New York Times. He has authored articles for the American Psychological Association and advised groups from the Open Mainframe Project to Partners in Promise. Ben is currently a master's student studying public policy at George Mason University with the hopes of reforming employment and education policy to make both domains more inclusive for neurodivergent individuals. Welcome, Ben, and thank you so much for taking the time to join me again today to talk about the employment experience. Yes, thank you so much, Gilda. It's a pleasure to be on again. To start off, can you talk about the organization you work for now and how you found your job? Yeah, so I work at the Organization for Autism Research which is an organization that is dedicated to funding applied research studies to better support the neurodivergent and autistic community. I found my job actually through working with the department at the Organization for Autism Research. So we have a department called Higher Autism, which is a department of this organization that is dedicated to helping autistic job seekers find meaningful employment. A bit of context, I had been working as a volunteer at the Organization for Autism Research for a few years before. I was a blogger and I also wrote for the organization's monthly newsletter. So I was familiar with the organization. I was able to contribute somewhat before I applied for this job, but I was working with higher autism and I was actually searching for another job within the disability field because I wanted to work with the neurodivergent disability population in any way I could. So it just so happened that as I was working with higher autism, an opening popped up for the Organization for Autism Research. And my higher autism navigator, which is basically a job coach, reached out to me and told me, hey, Ben, the Organization for Autism Research is hiring. You should you should probably apply. And I looked at the job description and it was for uh, the programs and outreach associate position. So I would be in charge of managing like the ongoing operations. I would be in charge of managing the online store. I'd also be in charge of handling grant and scholarship inquiries because we do offer different grants for research projects and we do offer scholarships for autistics entering higher education. So that was basically what I was going to be doing within my role as well as helping out with the monthly newsletter and everything. So given my familiarity with OR and given that I've done a lot of work with OR in the past, I decided to work with my navigator on applying to the position. And it was a little bit challenging because I had to write like a whole new cover letter. I also had to tailor my resume towards the position itself. And I was also really nervous about the interview process, but my navigator really helped me polish my resume and cover letter because she helped me understand what things I could leave in, what things I could leave out, why I should leave some things and why I should leave some things out. She also helped me create an executive summary for my 
resume so people could learn a little bit about me before actually reading the like details as to what I've been doing and my experience. So really the higher autism program at in the organization for autism research really helped me find the current job I'm working in. So it's kind of cool how things come around full circle like that. Yeah, it sounds like that really worked out well for you. I I don't know if you want to call it serendipitously or or otherwise. And it also sounds like it was invaluable to you to have that advocate, that navigator person that helped you to help kind of guide you through the process. I was a little bit worried or nervous because I didn't know if it would be a conflict of interest to help me apply for a job at that very organization I was like getting job help from. So I was a bit nervous as to whether I was cheating or whether like this was like I was allowed to do that, but she was more than happy to help me. Yeah. I think it's important for anyone really to have an advocate on their side and someone to guide them through that process, because especially when you're first starting out, it can be rather overwhelming and daunting and a little bit scary, frankly. Yeah. Now you graduated from college during the second year of the pandemic. So given this context, tell me how difficult was it to find the work as a neurodivergent individual? I know you touched on this a little bit. Can you possibly go into a little more detail about challenges that arose and whether you really felt prepared for full-time employment? That was honestly the biggest challenge, whether I felt like I could actually do the task at hand. And while that was because we kind of missed out on our senior year and even our latter part of our junior year at college, and we didn't really get the career guidance or career support that we may have needed or we may have wanted in preparation of going into the workforce. So that was one challenge is, am I prepared? Especially early on when I was working, I was nervous. I didn't have the skills. I didn't have like the ability to fulfill this position because when you're hearing about the job in the interview process and even when reading the job description, it's a lot different than actually like fulfilling the role and actually doing the tasks on a daily basis. So reading about a task can be really different from like actually completing it. So that was definitely one challenge. Another challenge was that it was hard to find a job because there was kind of a shrinking job market because companies were like downsizing at the time. And it was, we were competing against the classes of 2019, 2020, and the class of 2021. So we had a shorter job pool, but we had a lot more applicants. So I was worried about the competitive nature of employment. And at the time I was actually working a part-time job, I was an Uber Eats driver. So I wasn't making too much money. I spent most of my money on gas, but I was doing my best to make enough money to get by whilst helping my community through providing them with like the meals they ordered. Another challenge I had was when it came to the application, a lot of the job descriptions I read were really long. They were really wordy. They were really lengthy. And it could be really overwhelming and intimidating to read some of the things that were on these job descriptions on like Indeed.com or like ZipRecruiter. And one of the sections in particular, the job qualification section, scared me because for many of the jobs I saw that I had like four or five of the qualifications, but there were one or two that I didn't have. And as a result, I kind of skipped out on the job. I didn't even apply because I was worried that you needed to have all like of the qualifications. You couldn't miss out on one. And there were jobs when I got to the interview process and 
because I didn't have one of the qualifications, they said you might not be a good fit for this role, but we'll keep you in mind. So it was really difficult finding a job, partly because I was afraid that applying to a job in which I didn't have the all the qualifications would waste be a waste of time and be a waste of energy. And lastly, in the application process, there were a lot of jobs that had very vague language. So they said things like competency in or familiarity in. And those words were just very vague because there were several tools in which jobs said you had to be competent in, like competent in Canva or competent in Hootsuite, or you had to be familiar with Slack. And that really frustrated me because I like specifics. I don't really like general vague terms. And for all we know, like I could be very competent at all. I could know 95% of Canva, but the 5% I don't know is the percentage I'm going to have to be using in that job. So I could say in an interview, I know how to use Canva, but when I'm actually hired and they know, they find out that I don't really know how to use the part they're asking me to do in Canva, questions start to arise. Like, did you lie on your interview when you said you were good in Canva because you can't do this, even though you know how to do everything else? So those, the broad, general, vague job descriptions can be really difficult for me when it came to the application process. I think you made a couple of really good points. I mean, a lot of people shy away from applying for jobs if they don't tick off every single box on the job description. And I think that's a very hard thing for most people to overcome, but I think it is something that people should overcome because, and a lot of employers I've noticed are starting now to add little paragraphs at the bottom saying, you know, a lot of people won't apply if they don't meet every single qualification. And even if you don't, if you think, you know, this is a job that you might enjoy, that might work for you, we encourage you to apply. Yeah, I think that's a really good addition because it can encourage more applicants and it can also help neurodivergents understand that even if they don't have all the requirements, they might still be able to get that position or they can learn the skills in the job necessary to fulfill the role. Exactly. You can learn that other 5% (laughs) and you can learn it quickly because you already know the 95%. I also think it can be really difficult when it comes to like challenges with applications. One of the most difficult parts, um, at least for me as a neurodivergent individual, is the rejection aspect. Being rejected from like five, six, seven, eight um, jobs up to like 18. Some people apply to 80 jobs and get rejected from like all of those. And a lot of neurodivergents already have rejection sensitivity dysphoria and have an extreme fear of being rejected by one's peers or being rejected from an organization. And it can be like really re-traumatizing to get like rejection after rejection. And it can really affect us um, psychologically, emotionally, and it can really drain our energy. So that was something else that I encountered in my job and is a lot of rejection and it was hard finding like the strengths to overcome that because it just brought up a lot of different traumas that had to do with rejection. Rejection can be difficult for anybody. And I think it it is important to be persistent and to work through those rejections as best you can and and just look at it from the standpoint that every no is one no closer to that yes that you know you're gonna get. <laughs> And that's that's down the line somewhere. It's not something that I like saying, but it was a good experience because it helped me build a lot of resiliency and it helped me persevere through some of the most difficult times. And it also was good practice because like 
in life, we're not always going to be accepted for who we are. We are going to be rejected. And it was really good practice in learning how to deal and manage that rejection. So getting rejected from different jobs, even though it was really disappointing, ended up being a really good and valuable life lesson for me. So speaking of getting a job and moving from unemployment to employment or from one job, an Uber job to a a job that you prefer and like a lot more, what about that adjustment or transition period? How did you manage that? Yeah, it was super hard because when you're working for Uber, you're basically your own boss. You can choose your hours. You can choose when you want to work. Whereas when you're working like an office job or a corporate job, you have a set like schedule. So you show up at like nine, work till five, you work like eight hours, eight and a half hours, and you have a supervisor that you're reporting to. Whereas when you're working for Uber or when you're working a part-time job, like let's say a pizza delivery guy, you're like, it's, you're kind of reporting to yourself. You do have a supervisor, but it's a little bit more relaxed. So working Uber is a lot different from working in an office because you have a lot more accountability in the office and you have a lot more rigid guidelines, a lot more rigid rules. There's also a big difference when it comes to college and employment. College is a lot less restrictive. There's a lot more you can do. You can express yourself more. You can wear whatever you want, whenever you want. You can wear pajamas to class if you want. (laughs) Whereas you have to be more professional. You have to maintain professional standards. When you're in school, you might be able to show up 15 minutes late. You can't really do that in a job. You have to be on time. You have to manage your time, manage your schedule, make sure you're attending the meetings. And you also have to make sure that you're communicating with your supervisor. You're in constant communication. If something comes up that like affects your schedule, it's important to let them know immediately what's going on so they can prepare and so you can prepare. Whereas in college, like if something pops up, you just might not show up to class and you might not have to like send a follow-up email to the professor. So there's a lot more professionalism that comes with employment, which was kind of tricky coming from college. There's also like a specific office culture that kind of shows up in like the corporate world, which is a little bit different from what I've been used to in college. Sometimes you're expected to like make small talk. There's like an expectation to say hello every day to everyone and it can be really exhausting. So that took a little bit to get used to as well. So what are some things in regards to employment that you wish you would have known sooner? Are there like certain specific things that you say, you know what, I I wish I'd been able to prepare myself for this or that before I actually started the job. And do you have any advice for current or future job seekers? Yep. So when it comes to preparation, I wish I knew how to be a better self-advocate and I wish I knew how to tell my employer what I needed, when I needed it and why I needed it. I think that's really important in the workplace. And there were several times when I did try to advocate for myself, um, especially when it came to the training process. For my first job at the organization, the training process was really inaccessible. It was basically me reading like 30 or so 15-page documents about my role, about my duties without any context. And what would have been a little bit more helpful was if I was trained on the spot, if I was able to do the task 
and be given on the spot feedback and frequent feedback by my supervisor. But they didn't really have the capacity for that. So even though I tried to ask for that, it kind of got taken down. It was um, rejected because they didn't really have the capacity. So there were a few tasks in which I was really struggling with early on. And within these tasks, I knew what I had to do, but I didn't know how to do it. And it took like a month or so for me to really know down um, these specific tasks. One of them was managing the online store. And what ended up happening with that was I struggled with that task for about a month, two months, and got to the point where finally my supervisor sat me down and she trained me in a way that was accessible to me. She went through the task herself first, and then she let me do the task and kind of copy what she did. And within 15 minutes, I understood the task completely. I knew what I was going to do. I didn't have any questions. And I went through the task without any mistakes whatsoever. And I think it's really important to recognize that the training methods and methodologies are really important when it comes to onboarding new employees, especially neurodivergent employees who might not really learn in a way that suits neurotypicals. So I think having inclusive onboarding and training is really important. When it comes to different bits of advice I would give to job seekers, like current job seekers, and even former job seekers, it would be to be your own best self-advocate. And that's really important because in the workplace, nobody's really going to know what you need unless you say it. Nobody can really support what they don't know. So if you're able to state your needs, then it'll help the communication process. Clearing consistent communication is really important when it comes to success and thriving as a neurodivergent and indeed a neurotypical individual in the workforce. So it's important that we come together, that we're able to collaborate and express what we need when we need it, or else it's going to be a difficult time when you're transitioning from college to the workplace or when you're transitioning jobs. So being your own best self-advocate is probably the best piece of advice I can give. Well, I think that's excellent advice, Ben. And aside from being your own best self-advocate, is there any other one gem that the listeners should take away from this that you think any neurodivergent individual should keep in mind when they're preparing to seek employment? I think it's important to ask your supervisor, what is your management style? And I think it's important to for managers to be flexible like when working with neurodivergent individuals because the way the manager like handles different people or handles different situations might not really suit neurodivergent individuals. So I think it's important that supervisors be aware of this and like consciously take steps to work with the neurodivergent employees. I think one of the most difficult parts about my first job or the first job I had at this organization was that my supervisor was like constantly on me and my supervisor was like a lot of times he was about process and he cared about how things were getting done rather than the fact that these things did get done and this really hurt me because the process that was put in place for many of my tasks were really inaccessible to me so I really struggled in my position however I got a new supervisor after my old supervisor retired and she was more about final product and she was really open, really honest. And she 
just told me, Ben, I don't care how you do it. Just make sure that it gets done. And this really helped me because I could be flexible. I could do things the way I wanted to do them in a way that suited me in a way that suited my strengths. And just being able to use my strengths to get a finalized product done really helped me because I felt a lot more confident in my role. I felt like I could do things and I could accomplish this task. And I also had a lot more self-esteem and motivation because instead of dreading work and instead of worrying about what am I going to mess up, what is he going to yell at me for this time? I'm instead thinking about what I can actually do, what I can accomplish. And I am now focused on like what potential can come out of the work I am doing and what can I do to benefit my organization in the future? So I think being able to use my strengths has really helped my mindset and it's really helped me grow in my role because I'm able to use my talents to benefit the organization instead of using my deficits to struggle at my job. So I think it's important to recognize that a strengths-based approach is really important and it's important to be able to meet your employee where they're at and being able to recognize their strengths and recognize how best to utilize them when in a working situation. So how can our listeners find out more about your advocacy work for this community? So they can follow me on LinkedIn at Ben Van Hook, which is B-E-N space V-A-N-H-O-O-K. And they can also find me on Facebook under the same name, B-E-N space V-A-N-H-O-O-K. Well, thank you again so much, Ben, for your time and for sharing a little more about your story with us today. Yes, thank you so much, Jilda. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to the podcast. You can find it on Apple iTunes, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and other popular platforms. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And you can always access us and other great resources on our website, autismresourcepodcast.com. I want to thank our listeners for spending part of their day with us. This is the Autism Resource Podcast, and I'm Gilda Evans, reminding you to take care of yourself and that special person in your life.